you don't have to pay off your mortgage super fast though. You know, I've talked about on the show doing it in five years or less. That's not necessary. We just had the extra money and I felt really passionate about it, but you could do it in 10 years. You could do it in 15 years. Paying off your mortgage before you're in your sixties is fantastic. This show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast, everybody. This is Andy Hill, and today we're going to do two things. First, we're going to answer a question from the Marriage, Kids, and Money community about whether it's better to pay off your mortgage early, invest your money, or just leave it alone in your savings account. And after that, we are back with another interview in our mortgage-free segment. This month, we are featuring Christina Marriott, who's going to show us all how to get our house paid off by 40. All right, let's jump into today's show. Recently, I received an email from Sam from Chicago, and she had a question for me. And by the way, if you have a question, please leave it at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash voicemail. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash voicemail. It's so much more fun to hear your voices. So on that note, here's Sam. Hi, Andy. This is Sam from Chicago. I have a question. I'm married with three kids living in a Chicago suburb. We have two stable full-time incomes and have no debt except for our mortgage, which is pretty sizable given where we live. We have more than enough money to cover an emergency fund sitting in the savings account. My husband and I cannot decide what to do with the extra. Should we pay down our mortgage or invest it? My husband has no concerns having the mortgage and paying it down per the terms and argues that interest rate is so low that we can make more investing. I'm in more of a different mindset of just wanting to get moving on the mortgage as a stepping stone toward financial freedom. I heard a quote once about how you never take a loan just to invest that money, which is kind of the situation with the mortgage. Equally, we both got uncomfortable sitting on a large savings account, so we're nervous to take any action. Is there an objective decision to make here? What would you do and why? Thanks. Sam, thank you so much for reaching out. I appreciate you leaving that voicemail. First of all, this is an awesome question. And congratulations to you and your husband for doing all of the hard work that you've done so far and being able to ask this question because answering this question is just pure fun because you guys are in such a great spot. So kudos, way to go. Keep it going. You are rocking it. So let's talk about the three financial goals that you've mentioned. And I think it's good for us to separate them out so we can talk about how to proceed. So the first goal, which is one of my favorites, is to pay off your mortgage early, right? You guys hear me talk about that a lot. Your second goal is to just generally invest more. And then the third goal that I heard you talk about is just saving for the rainiest day possible. And man, we've had a lot of those rainy days here in 2020. (laughs) I'm looking for a redo. So let's start with the first one, right? Saving money. Number one here, saving money. While it's incredibly important to have an emergency fund, Sam, it's also important to determine what size of an emergency fund feels right for you. Because in my opinion, a lot of money sitting in a savings account does not build wealth for you or create the financial freedom 
that you desire. Recently, I proposed a very similar question. It's kind of funny you asked this. I proposed a question on Twitter and also on Instagram. Again, if you guys want to check that out, at Andy Hill MKM, that's my handle. And I asked the question, how much money feels right for you in your emergency fund right now? What feels right? Obviously, there's a lot of things that have happened over the past, oh, even just six months with the craziness, the responses, they were all over the place, right? One person said, zero dollars. I don't have any money in my savings because I want my money to be making money for me. And then, you know, that's a personal choice. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. And then another commenter said, I feel really happy with two years of expenses and savings. And I know a little, little inside baseball. This, this gentleman actually was on the show. He had been through now two recessions. Those really affected him. So having a lot of money in the bank felt really good for him. So, you know, polar opposites there. Somebody says zero dollars. I want my money making money for me all the time. And then somebody on the other end who's maybe been hit a few times in the gut with the realities of life says, hey, man, I feel really good with two years of expenses in savings. And then obviously there was a bunch of other folks in the middle. Three months here, six months there, 12 months there. You know, a lot of folks saying that three to six months mark. And I think that's maybe a testament of that being the general advice that you hear from the personal finance community. I know that's I believe that's the CFP board response, three to six months. So you see a lot of that. But the global pandemic, the recession, the large unemployment numbers that we're seeing in our country right now, that has changed a lot of people's typical response on this question. And it's changed our perspective as well as a family. We used to have three months of expenses. We felt great with that. But now after me leaving my full-time gig, Nicole getting a pay cut earlier this year, and now our school going full-time virtual in the fall. Oh my God, I'm going to die. Six months of expenses is feeling a lot better. So Sam, all of this chatter, all of this conversation is really brought up to ask yourself this question, right? How much feels right for you? How much feels right for you right now, too? Because this year feels probably different than last year. Or maybe it doesn't for you. You guys said you had steady jobs. Things aren't too rocky. So does three months feel right to you? Does that feel comfortable with where you are right now? Does six months feel better? Does that make you feel more comfortable? I don't know. This is a question for both you, Sam, and your husband. So find that number, whether it's three months, six months, 12 months, 24 months, find the number that feels right to you because it's very, very personal. And don't let anyone else tell you that your number is right or wrong. I'm not going to tell you what your number is. You are. You're going to decide saying, you know what? Six months feels pretty good. Or six months, that feels like we've got way too much cash in there. Or... 12 months feels great right now because I have no idea what's going on in the future. Or three months, you know what? That feels fine. It's all personal. So you make the decision, you decide, you guys discuss it together. And you know what would be fun, Sam? I guess if if your husband says $0 in there, or and then you say nine months, maybe you guys find somewhere in the middle that makes a good sense for you. But anyway, that's your first task, okay? So determine how much feels right for you, and then we'll move on to the second area. And that second area is number two, investing. So I've definitely loved paying off my mortgage early, but I've also loved maxing out my retirement accounts so I could build up this large investment retirement portfolio 
and not really have to worry about retirement so much. I'm 38. I don't know how old you are, Sam and your husband, but I'm 38. So I got maybe probably more than 20 years, let's call 25 years until I want to tap into these retirement funds. So I've gotten to a point where after I was maxing out my retirement accounts for so long, I built up a nest egg of almost a half a million bucks. And then I'm like, you know, I was just looking at these calculators and saying, well, even if I just didn't put any more into these for 25 years or 20 years, I'm going to be sitting in a pretty good spot based on how much our annual expenses are. So not that I'm not going to contribute anymore to my retirement funds, but it was just a good feeling knowing that we had saved up so much up to this point that we could just kind of pull back a little bit. So being mortgage-free feels great because of the freedom that's associated with that. You have a lot more options, but also this idea of coast fire feels great too. And that's kind of what I'm describing. You get to a point where you've built up your retirement funds enough where you can kind of let them coast. Maybe you want to continue to contribute, but you don't need to heavily continue as you had in the past. As we're looking at your question here, what you're asking, a lot of it depends on where you currently are with your retirement investments. Have you guys not invested a lot based on where you are and based on where you are with your age? I don't know your retirement investment status or your age. So which is that kind of makes it difficult for me to give you like specific advice about your situation. But what I would say is ask yourself again, some more questions. How much do you have in a 401k? How much do you have in an IRA or an HSA? If you have extra money after your emergency fund decision, let's say you guys, you know, make that decision saying, hey, we want to have this much in our emergency fund. We feel good about that. How much do you have now after that that you can use for things like maxing out your workplace 401k or maxing out a IRA, you know, a Roth or traditional? That all depends on your household income or looking into things like an HSA. And again, there's stipulations there. You need to have a high deductible healthcare plan in order to have an HSA. But those three things, the 401k, the IRA, the HSA, those are all taxed advantaged retirement options. And this can help you to save so you have a very comfortable retirement in the future. And hopefully you'll grow your money a lot more than just like sitting in a savings account. But you know, past market returns do not predict future market returns. So know that investing does come with risk. But hopefully over the long term, as you head into retirement, the decades that will build up into then, if you are close to my age, you'll have some time for that to grow. And that growth and consistency will hopefully get you where you want to go in the long term. So yeah, ask yourself, how much do you have currently in your retirement? Are you feeling comfortable? It's almost like the first question, right? Am I feeling comfortable with where we are with our retirement savings? If I look at a compound interest calculator and say... Here's what I have today. If I let that grow for the amount of time you have between your age and when you are planning to retire, does that feel like enough to you? And if it doesn't, then maybe you need to amp up your retirement savings. So this could be an opportunity for you to do that. And then last but not least, it's one of my favorites, paying off your mortgage early. Number three, paying off your mortgage early. Knowing that you and your husband are eh, sort of on the opposite sides of this debate of investing more versus paying off the mortgage, perhaps the solution is just splitting the difference, right? Look into these tax advantaged retirement options. And then afterwards, see how much you can throw at the mortgage. Based on what I'm hearing from your question and your stability right now, it sounds like you might be able to do both of these things. 
you don't have to pay off your mortgage super fast though. You know, I've talked about on the show doing it in five years or less. That's not necessary. We just had the extra money and I felt really passionate about it, but you could do it in 10 years. You could do it in 15 years. Paying off your mortgage before you're in your sixties is fantastic because once you get to retirement, that's less money you need to even have saved for retirement because you don't have a payment anymore. That is one of the great bonuses of becoming mortgage-free. So if you're able just to throw a little bit extra each month towards the mortgage, that is a simple and easy way to build wealth and create some more freedom and options in your future. You could, in theory, you know, make more money in the stock market as opposed to paying off your mortgage, but the peace and freedom that comes with a paid-off mortgage is just something you can't put into a calculator. (laughs) So to wrap it up, in short, I wish I had more information about your current retirement investment portfolio, also your age. That would help me to, you know, answer your question a little bit better. But what I would recommend is, number one, determine how much emergency savings feels right for you. And then number two, invest in tax-advantaged retirement accounts like a 401k, IRA, or HSA. And then number three, pay more towards your mortgage. And I would kind of do it in that order. So if you don't have enough to do the last two, the investing in the retirement account and paying off the mortgage, find a way to split the difference with your husband so you're both getting the type of financial freedom that you desire. Oh, and by the way, if there are other things you want to do with your money, like, I don't know, updating your home or upgrading an old car or planning a family vacation when those come back into existence, vacations, <laughs> that is okay too. You could do any of those things. Money is for enjoying. Take care of yourself, you know, do the right things, have an emergency fund, pay off the debt. And it sounds like you've done a lot of those things. So if you want to use some of that money, that extra cash you have for enjoying, that's okay. You can enjoy it today and tomorrow. I hope that helps, Sam. This was a lot of fun to answer. And if you have a question like Sam, please contact me on social media at Andy Hill MKM. That's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Andy Hill MKM. Or you could leave me a voicemail, better yet, like Sam did at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash voicemail. I would love to help you on your financial independence journey. For six generations, the Jones family has been providing high-quality meats. And now, we're providing treats for the best member of your family, man's best friend, a.k.a. the goodest boys and girls. Jones Natural Chews makes bones and treats that are sure to be savored by your dog and are made from the best natural ingredients available. Our flavorful chews are made from natural animal parts and will have your puppy drooling with happiness. From treats like sticks and chews to savory bones and patties, we've got you covered for finding the perfect reward for that special pup in your life. Jones Natural Chews come in all sizes, so make sure to choose the right treat for your pup. And remember, it's important to be supervising your pup when they're enjoying their treats to keep your puppy safe. Jones Natural Chews, available at a pet store near you. Or visit jonesnaturalchews.com to get started with our store locator tool. That's Jones Natural Chews, available at a pet store near you. How would you like to own your home outright? What would it feel like to never make a mortgage payment ever again? Well, on our mortgage-free segment today, we're going to interview Christina Marriott from Colorado. Today, we're going to learn how Christina paid off her mortgage early 
and how others can do the same in their early 40s. Welcome to the show, Christina. Hi, thank you so much for having me, Andy. This is exciting. I'm happy to have you here. It's been great to have you in the Thriving Families Facebook community, and I'm glad we connected today. Thank you so much for doing this. Christina, how we're going to start today is with the Mortgage Free 3. So this helps people get a little bit of information on your situation just in a quick, easy format. So I'm going to ask you three questions. You're going to rapid fire back to me so people understand what you've done here with this crazy mortgage payoff process. So the first question is, what was your starting mortgage principal balance? $232,000. And then how long did it take you to pay off $232,000? Almost exactly 12 years. Okay. And I understand there's a little more detail to that 12 years too, which we're going to get into in a little bit. Now, what is the home valued at today? Somewhere we think right around 480. Wow. Okay. So you own 480 free and clear. Yes. That is awesome. What a great feeling. Cool. All right. Let's talk about the details now. When did you decide that paying off your mortgage was a good idea? So we've always been pretty frugal and we've always wanted to be debt-free. But I remember a very specific moment about 10 years ago. I was at a woman's meeting at church and this woman stood up and she talked about how she and her husband had paid off their home in 12 years. And I had never even heard of that before. I mean, I knew it was the concept that could be accomplished, but which a real person that I knew who wasn't a multimillionaire and who was right in front of me said that she had done it, that just lit a fire in in me. And my husband says, Christina, we were always good with money and we'd always been paying off debt. And he's right. But for some reason, hearing her story for me personally, just lit a fire of let's get this done. Wow. And it's great to hear it from somebody that you know, and then you're like, well, if they can do it, then we can do it. Right? Exactly. That's exactly how it was. Well, let's talk about the steps you then took at that point to say, all right, let's do this. What changes did you make? Because it sounds like you guys were already pretty frugal. What did you do at that point to start to pay off your mortgage early? So at, at that point, I really started reading a lot of books. I found, discovered Mr. Money Mustache, uh, you know, Financial Samurai, different blogs, learned about the FIRE movement, things like that. And we just kind of hunkered down even more and ate out less and tried to be even more frugal. And just every extra dollar we had, we put toward the mortgage. So we budgeted and we, we did our budget every month and just everything extra just went to the went to the mortgage. So like generally expenses wise, you say you're pretty frugal. What do you typically spend in a year or something like that? I would say we probably spend between three and 4,000 a month, but that was with the mortgage. So I don't know what it looks like now. I'm, I'm assuming it'll be somewhere between two and 3,000 a month and we'll, we'll have to recalculate the budget. <laughs> That's amazing because I mean, you just did that epiphany right there. It's like we were spending this and now the mortgage is gone and now we have that much <laughs> more. That's cool. Right, right. That's very cool. Yeah, so let's talk about the process. So you guys hunkered down, you spent a little bit less to reach this goal. Did you do anything to increase increase your income along the way as well? So I have been a stay-at-home mom now for 13 years. So we lost that income 13 years ago. We did get rental incomes or rental properties. And so that has been great to help replace my income as well. And then just general pay raises that my husband's gotten over the years. Nothing too much beyond that. Cool. No crazy side hustles or anything like that besides the, the rental properties, right? Yeah, just the rental properties. Very cool. Let's talk about the rental property. So was your first rental property purchased within this 12-year time period? Talk to me about that. Yeah. So we bought our first rental property in 2013. And so that cost about $120,000. And so we had to come up 
with a $25,000 down payment. She had to put 20% down. So we did that. And then in 2014, we bought a second one about the same price. And then in 2016, we bought a third one that was about 180. So again, we had to come up with the down payment. So for each of those, we came up with the down payment. And then we then had four mortgages. And so we decided we wanted to be completely debt-free, but we focused on the highest mortgage first, which happened to be one of the rental properties. And so we paid off one of the rental properties. We paid that off about two years ago. So it took us about three years to pay off the first rental property. And that was $125,000 total that we paid off there. And then we just took, of course, that rental income and put all of that towards our primary residence. So you just snowballed it. Exactly. And so now we have two mortgages left. And our goal now is to pay those two off, which we should have done in three years to pay both of those off. And then at that point, all of our rental income will be straight profit and we can just move forward from there. Wow. Okay. I have a couple of questions there. So we're talking four properties total, three that are rentals and then one that you live in. Is that correct? Correct. So the one that we live in now, the primary is the one that we just paid off. And that's the one truthfully I'm most excited about (laughs) because that was the biggest mortgage. And it was our primary, which means we live here and it's really nice. I love how you have talked before about how you just like to stand in your grass and just be like, I own this grass. Very, very cool and very different from a rental property to look at your own home and say, these stairs are mine. This kitchen is mine. This grass is mine. And it was the the biggest payment every month that we had. And so to be able to have that gone is it's great. <laughs> that's very cool. And your and your long-term plan of having four homes paid off, that's incredible. So the passive income that you're able to receive from these three rental properties, that helps you guys cover a lot of your living expenses as well, or is that diverted somewhere else? All of the money that we make from the rental property goes straight to paying off mortgages. I love that plan. So we, our investment strategy with the rental properties is distant, is maybe a little bit different than other people. We have a wonderful friend and mentor who became a self-made millionaire with rental properties. And she has the same philosophy, which is I'm not going to buy a rental property if my net home pay is only $50 a month. That's just not even worth getting up in the morning. So she is very good about finding properties that net at least $1,000 a month. So that's where our focus has been. It's just finding properties that cash flow really well. And so then we take that cash flow and just use it to pay off the properties. Ultimately, the end game, once in three years, hopefully, when we have everything paid off, is, well, I told my husband, I said, I get a new kitchen. (laughs) We're going (laughs) to recreate the house. We need new cars. Our cars are 11 and 13 years old. We need new cars. So once everything's paid off, we'll take a year or two to redo the house and get new cars. And then ultimately my husband would like to go part-time. I think that demonstration of delayed gratification is incredible because sometimes that can be the opposite. I know when I started out in my 20s, I got the new car, I got the house that I couldn't afford. I got all that stuff right away. And then I realized, whoa, actually I can't afford this. (laughs) And it wasn't until that epiphany where it was like, okay, maybe I need to do it differently. And it sounds like you guys have done that for quite a while. We have, but Andy, you bring up an excellent point because we have three children. They're now 13, 11, and eight. And probably about four years ago when our youngest was four, we realized that our kids were finally actually fun. I'm not meaning that to be mean, but they could do things, right? They could travel and they didn't need naps and they didn't need diaper changes. And we could actually do really fun things. And, And we felt like there is this golden window of time that you have with your children. 
And we kind of got to a point where we thought, maybe we need to take some of this money and do some fun things. And so we have, we did take them to Disneyland and we did, we went on a cruise in February and I'm so glad we did because now you can't go on cruises and who knows when we'll be able to again, but we budgeted for that and we put it into the cards and we were still putting money in retirement and we were still paying off our homes and we were still doing all of these things. But we also realized why are we living so strapped and so frugally? We do have the money to enjoy ourselves now. So let's do some things, but we were, but we planned it. It wasn't spontaneous, if that makes sense. Oh, it does make sense. And I, I love your point on waiting till the kids are slightly older to like do like the fun stuff because yeah, you know, going to Disney World, maybe when they're two and they can't remember it and they're going to be screaming and you're, it's like, oh, what am I doing spending this money? I, we've done that so many times where we've plunked down whatever for a trip or a kid experience. And I'm like, we're doing this too early. This is just, this is a waste of money. <laughs> Yeah. And I certainly don't mean that in a mean way. I have loved every stage with my children, but when they're one, you you can get away with buying them garage sale toys for Christmas, you know, (laughs) and you don't need to go to Disneyland with them. But now they're just at such a fun age. And and so there is a balance there. Well, let's talk about post-mortgage freedom here. It sounds like you guys have some plans to update the house and maybe travel a little bit more. Is that how you guys are planning to celebrate? The cruise in February was our celebration trip. We we planned it over a year ago, obviously not knowing anything about COVID. And so it was just pure dumb luck that we happened to plan it in February because it was about three weeks after we got home that they shut everything down. And according to our calculations, we would have had the house paid off in March. And we ended up not paying it off until June because the cruise was more expensive than we wanted to. But again, we wanted it to be fun. We didn't want to go frugal on the cruise. If we were going to go, we were going to snorkel with the dolphins or whatever and, and do those fun things. We planned for it. We budgeted for it. It did not go on a credit card. And it did push off paying off our house by, by a couple of months. But in the end, does it really matter if we paid our house off in March or June? No, because we had this wonderful family experience and then COVID hit and it really is like, we don't know the next time we'll be able to travel. I'm so glad we did it. That was our big celebration of, yes, we paid off the mortgage. Let's go on a cruise. Even though it came before we paid it off. (laughs) Hey, you know what? The timing was perfect though, because that cruise would have been canceled if you waited until June. pure dumb luck. It was, we were so lucky and we had a fabulous time. It was so much fun. That's great. That's great. Yeah. So outside of maybe updating the kitchen and doing the travel and things like that, do you guys have any other plans for the money that you have extra now? Is that going to go towards the rental properties as well? Yeah. So right now all of the extra money is going towards the rental property. So we're not even going to do the kitchen until the rental properties are paid off. According to our calculations, we should have the two rental properties paid off in three years. And so it's just a little bit more of delayed gratification, but it is funny. I have to tell my husband, we're not doing anything else until I get my kitchen because I, I don't like my kitchen, but <laughs> yeah, there's something to having a nice kitchen that you, cause you spend a lot of time in the kitchen. It's not just for cooking too. We sit in our kitchen and just entertain too. We'll, we'll talk to the guests, any, any guests that come over, we end up just sitting in the same small spot in the kitchen. So it's like, all right, better be a nice place to stay. That's cool. And talk to me about your husband's plans for part-time in the future. That's an exciting conversation. Tell me about that. So I recently listened to your Coast Fire podcast with Sam of Financial Samurai, and that's kind of where we'll be at. I have ulcerative colitis, which is one of the most expensive lifelong illnesses that you can have. It's very important that we maintain health insurance for that. And my husband happens to absolutely love his job. And he tells me all the time, Christina, why would I want to do anything else? I would love to get more rental properties, truthfully, but 
he doesn't. He's like, but I love what I do. Why would I want to stop? But we would love to have the flexibility of him only having to work three days a week. I homeschool the children. And how cool would that be that two days a week we can do more traveling or do go on hikes or spend more time as a family? So ultimately in three years, once we have, every, well, probably more like five years, once we have everything paid off and the kitchen and the cars, <laughs> um, we would like for him to go part-time so that he still has his insurance and also because he loves what he does. And then he would like to maybe do some consulting work or just whatever, you know, he'd like to just have a little bit more flexibility in his schedule. So that's kind of what our goal is. And we figure that coast fire, uh, I guess, for us. That's what it looks like for us. I really like that concept of Coast Fire learning from Sam and Jessica from the Pioneers about that concept because it just seems to make a lot of sense, especially for people who are naturally frugal, but maybe they don't really want to retire. They like what they're doing. It's like, okay, what can we do to semi-retire or find a way to work part-time or just kind of create the thing that works best for your family? And I, I really like that, that that concept. So I'm glad you guys enjoyed that and are finding your own version of that over the next five years. I think that's going to be fantastic for your family. Let's talk to the person who's listening right now, you guys are in your early 40s, maybe they're in their 30s and they're like, hey, well, you know, mortgage freedom, that sounds pretty nice. So what steps would you tell them to get there? Maybe the maybe the first thing they could do after finishing this interview. I would say just get started. When I was in my early 30s, 40 felt so far away. <laughs> it felt like I'm never going to be 40. That's old people. But it happens. Time passes whether or not we think it does. And just get started and just whatever extra you have, you know, the number one rule of financial management, in my opinion, is spend less than you earn and invest the difference and spend less than you earn and invest the difference. To me, it is that simple and it's not always easy, but it's that simple. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's great advice. And speaking of investing, we didn't really touch on this. I know you guys have been heavy on paying off the mortgages and, and getting rental properties. Were you guys also investing in the stock market at the same time? My husband's company does do a company match with 401k. So we have a 401k, we have an IRAs, we have 529s for the kids. We have all of those investing vehicles. The reason we ended up going with rental properties is I was a teacher before children. <laughs> and once we had children, I decided we had decided together that I was going to be a stay at home mom. But as a result of my husband being the sole breadwinner, if something happens to him, what do I have? I mean, I could go back to teaching, but I don't want to. It's a very difficult field. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it when I did it, but it's tough and I've let my teaching license lapse. So I wanted to get the rental properties as insurance in case something happened to Ben. So now we're at a point with the three rental properties where if he died, I could take the insurance money and I could buy more rental properties and the girls, my daughters and I would be fine. And so that's kind of my insurance for being a stay-at-home mom. But at the same time, we've been investing in the in the stock market in the 401ks and 529s and all of that as as well. That's incredible. Yeah, you guys are doing the right thing and moving forward your family with this great legacy wealth and your kids are seeing you do it too, which is incredible. So hopefully they'll carry on this awesome tradition. This has been fantastic, Christina. Thank you so much for your time today. If people want to ask you more questions and connect with you more, is the Thriving Families Facebook community a great place to do that? Of course. Yeah, that'd be a great place. And yeah, certainly people can ask me questions and that'd be great. Excellent. Excellent. Everybody, that is marriagekidsandmoney.com slash community if you want to connect with Christina and 800 other families in there that are helping each other thrive. This is the whole point is we can collaborate, ask good questions and help support each other so we can have big wins like the Marriott family. Thank you so much for your time today, Christina. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks so much for having me. This is fun. 
off the mortgage or invest? After answering Sam's question and hearing from Christina, I think the answer is why not both? (laughs) As a quick reminder, everybody, this show is for entertainment purposes only. Be sure to seek out a professional for your specific financial situation. A big thanks to Dan Tabbitt for editing today's show and also Alec Collins for bringing our shows to life on YouTube. And as a big favor to me, everyone, if you could check out that YouTube channel at youtube.com slash marriage, kids and money and hit the subscribe button, it's a big red button. That would mean the world to me. I am shooting for 1000 subscribers by the end of the year and I'm at 710. So I think we can get there and I can do it with your help because there's about 4,000 people that listen to the show each week. And if I could just get like, you know, 300 of you to go and hit that big subscribe button on YouTube, that would get me there. It is free. It takes less than a minute and it would help out this newbie entrepreneur as I'm trying to figure out this whole digital entrepreneur thing. So thanks for considering it. Again, that's youtube.com slash marriage, kids, and money. Hit the red subscribe button and you'll make me smile. Thanks. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, my son Calvin is going to end the show with a quote today from Jim Rohn. Indecision is the greatest thief of opportunity. All right, everybody, you have the knowledge. Now it's time to take action. Carpe diem.